0: This is It's Never Just a Game. I'm Greg Pesci. And I'm NJ Pesci. And
1: welcome back to uh, the show here. So what it is now for us is uh, we do this, we try to record this thing early in the week when we can. Usually on a Wednesday or a Thursday, it gives us more time in case we have an issue with editing or guests. And um, we try to do our guests ahead of time. Yep. Uh, It would be nice to do it live, but we're not there yet. We expect to get a call from someone soon (laughs) for us to simulcast, uh, which is going to require some some makeup. if We're going to do that. And so occasionally it pushes to the weekend, where we are now, and it's Father's Day weekend. Yes, it is. So happy Father's Day to you, Greg. And you too. Thank you so much. I know that we're like two kids before Christmas, (laughs) waiting for what's going to be arriving on Father's Day for us. Yeah, it'll be
0: an onslaught.
1: I loved it way back when, when Eddie Murphy would open up his Father's Day, if he did this one bit, he opened it up and said, Brute, my Fabergé, <laughs> you cheap. And he's going on. So I don't know if your kids tell you, but they, they tell my wife, we have no idea where to get dad
0: for Father's Day.
1: Same. Worst, worst guy to buy for in the whole world. Uh, same. Because we have everything, Greg? Uh, no. I don't know. No.
0: What is it? I don't know. Maybe we just give off the wrong vibe.
1: We're far too particular, <laughs> too particular about what it is we want. I don't, what do you want for father's day? Peace in my house yeah. is what I really want for father's day. I say the same thing every year. What do you want? Good kids. Yep. Just peace in my house. Peace, harmony, love. We're those kind of
0: guys, Craig really, <laughs> you know, yeah, I don't know. Like our father. I mean, for me, for my family, at least it's the safest things a book. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So I will occasionally ask for something around golf. Um, but I tend to, to buy whatever it is I was going to need before then, which upsets them terribly. Right. They do ask me what I want for dinner and what I want for dessert, which is nice.
0: Yes, I got the exact same thing. What do you have? For dinner and dessert, um, we're going to have... I actually wanted this chicken thing that my wife makes that I really like. And so okay. all the kids told me, of course, that she told you to say that, which is not true. It's what I want. What do they want? Oh, I don't know what they want. Yeah. So I asked Pop what he wanted. Yeah. So... uh and our father, all I've ever purchased for him in almost my entire life is a book. Or, more importantly now, is money on Amazon. And he actually said this to me. Just just get me something on, you know, Amazon. And uh, I said, Dad, you, you, you have a lot there. And I said, I can get you something else. Now, just put it on the Amazon, you, you know, as if it were some sort of thing that we're all going to inherit when he passes. What? He said to me, and I quote, yeah, I mean, all your kids will have it when I'm gone. That's what we're gonna fight over his what? Amazon account. Is that,
1: oh, that's beautiful. <laughs> back, I recall back in the day when we asked him what type of computer he had. That's when the famous line came out. I don't know. I got the Googles. Yep. And the YouTube.
0: Yeah. And he, he was trying to say that he was trying to say what kind of system he got for um, for internet. And he kept saying, "I got the DHL." Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that's
1: great. Got the DHL, and I studied for law school, took the LPGA, got myself ready. Bartonski right there. Throw that in there from the old days. Oh, yeah, so he, he he's coming to my house. I know, he told me. Yeah, he's coming to my house. I had to make sure that he's okay with it because he said, look, I'm getting phone calls from people wondering if you should be exposed yeah. to all the kids and the grandchildren. He said he's he's okay with that. I said, look, if you go down yep. and you don't get back up, I'm not held responsible for this. <laughs> make sure you understand that. So we are going with uh, Pastel Forno tomorrow. Very, very nice. Which uh, we didn't tell him because... You and I, when we hear this pasta forno, or others might call it baked ziti, <laughs> um, how did you experience pop with pasta the second day, Greg? The second day? Yeah. Open, <laughs> Opening he the fridge. Just opens the fridge and slams it. Eating it with his hands. Yeah. It's yes. Cold. Yes. Doesn't yeah. matter. So spaghetti, he never really did with the hand thing. Nope. But baked ziti, pasta al forno? Yeah. Stuffed shells? Stuffing a shell in his. Yes. Uh, yeah. That would have happened. Cold yes, pasta. Yeah, he from the fridge doesn't matter to him at all. No, so it's Father's Day, so we're telling a few stories about him. Occasionally, he would eat some crazy stuff. We thought we lost him once. Remember the? Oh, oh, I remember the the carrot cake, cake and a peanut butter carrot cake peanut butter combo, which yep.
0: no one else has picked up on. So I'm guessing. Oh, I, 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 I'm still in therapy on that one because he was it was older carrot cake, which had dried out somewhat, and he was standing in front of the sink. This is in Massachusetts, right? And he was standing in front of the sink, most likely washing the dishes in cold water so as to save on his energy bill. And he, uh, how, why he put peanut butter on that? I don't know. No idea. You, you, you could probably. It's, it's a, it's similar to taking cement, sticking it in your throat. Yeah, which is essentially what he did. Yeah. He. So he puts this big piece of carrot cake,
1: because <laughs> never small piece. Jeez. Dude's all in on that, and he's got peanut butter on it. And then we're losing him right there. Right the windpipe is closed off. And he struggled through it, though. I don't think we anybody Heimliched him. No. He struggled through that. No, he did struggle through it. Yeah. So occasionally we. It was actually for a little bit there unsettling. Yeah. So you have to know that uh, we do impressions of each other and especially him. <laughs> uh, so someone choking on carrot cake impressions has yeah. been done many times to him. Yes. The other thing is there's nothing we enjoy more than standing around with him. Anybody who wants to in the family can do this, everybody gets a fresco. <laughs> In their hand. Maybe a club soda. Maybe a club soda. You pop a fresca and you chug as hard and as fast as you can to see who's the first person to be able to chug the full fresca. And then unfortunately for their, everyone else around us, there's a lot of...
0: Uh, Eruptions. Yeah.
1: Gas comes can, out. Yes. there's, a, But it's not really loud. It's just an expulsion of no. gas. <laughs> it's something we
0: have on film for for the future. I got to so, get... Oh, sorry. Yeah, no, go ahead. Got to give him some credit though because um, probably the highest art form in our family is roasting each other and especially roasting him. And it's the kind of thing where some people come from outside the family think that it's like a free for all, but I don't think they actually really know that it's, there are some rules, right? There's this liberated form as right. Perry would say, right. right? There's a box on the outside. There's a lot of room on the inside, but you don't cross that line. No. It's not, it's never hurtful. No, it's never nasty. It might get close to being a little embarrassing at times, but you you have a lot of fun and he's always taking it so well.
1: And so it, a few other things about our father on this father's day weekend, as our children plot tobias, brute by Fabergé. <laughs> um, the guy would raise his voice, yes when he got when he got excited and you were in trouble, he'd raise his voice he he didn't ever hit us, we were no. never hit. no nope. we didn't get a beating, we didn't get the belt, we never got none of that ever, but he would you know, raise his voice and you would you would listen at that point, you'd focus a little bit more um, but he, but we would fight. Yes. At Brothers, we would fight. Things would break down, and we would be fighting. And, and then you would hear him yell from someplace. So you you got your brother in a death hold. You're choking him out, maybe. <laughs> uh, you're definitely hitting him in the kidneys behind in the back there, trying to get him to piss blood. And uh, and we would hear our father yell from someplace in the house when you're killing your
0: brother. He would yell, gentlemen, I'll take the winner.
1: Yep. And at that point, everybody stopped, we stopped fighting. There was
0: one time, do you remember, though, when we were in... in uh in New Paltz in New York, where he came down the stairs into the basement where we where we lived. And uh we were in the room and he just grabbed each one, you, me, and AJ just by the head. Just kinda of take a look, like, shake to the head and shake to the head and shake the head. That was uh, That's uh let us know that he was done, and then he turned around and
1: left. Well, yeah, we got his So we also have um we have a thread. I think it's a Facebook thread. Oh gosh. Where yeah. we have All of his sayings, every one of us, children and grandchildren, write down the things that he says that you've heard him say a million times. And then someone will pop one up on this thing. And the the thread went forever. It did. So classic lines like, a part of what I earn is mine to
0: keep. Yes, he would tell you. Yeah. he. he, Yes, he had classic lines. That was really long. I mean, that went on for a long time. It was killing everybody in the family. I think Luciano actually kept a version
1: of it. Yeah, so they're... Great phrases. And as I, Greg and I have mentioned in our conversations about our father and the things we remember, we shudder to think the things our children are going to remember. Yeah. The things we've said and done. Has the roasting started at your house? Like some of it. Yeah, some, yeah, of it we've getting, getting yeah, some of it. I'm getting some Yeah, Definitely. Yeah. So even even when we were in trouble, just so you know, even when we were in trouble and you had something bad happen, like there was you know, unholy Thursday or Black Sunday, something bad happened for somebody (laughs) and and nobody was hit, but it was bad. It wasn't good. Even that, you had to pick your timing right because you were, you know, this is important. This is where you learn timing. You could imitate him. You could actually go back to when he might have lost his temper. Whatever happened at that point, you can actually imitate. You can do slow motion imitations of it. You can mock the way he
0: might have said it. And he was always fine with that. He was. And I, I think... You know, we look back at the Herbie Brooks stuff and how they talked about, I know we're going to talk about that later on at another uh, version of the show, but um, it was all about, the, he he never divided those people and, and Pop never divided us. And at times, I think that was part of his genius is that, you know, he did that in such a way that we always stayed close. And at times, like when we were in trouble, he, he was the common enemy for us. He never, he never set it up in such a way as that it divided us And I think that had a lot to say about why we're all as close as we are.
1: Yeah. And you had pretty clear marching orders that if something happened to your brother and you weren't there to help him (laughs) or you were there and didn't help him, don't come home. Yeah.
0: We've done that. We've, we've, yeah. I've talked to a couple of therapists about this. Yeah, They're not sure it was the greatest thing in the world, but I do know this much. That's what he flat out said. If you, if your brother has a problem or your sister, but we didn't have that many issues because this age and gender separation, but your brother has a problem and you're not defending him, don't come home because there's really no place for you. Yeah. And yeah. That, that stuck with us.
1: That would not be a good thing to find yourself in that situation.
0: I think, you know, for all the fathers out there, we want to wish you all uh, a happy Father's Day. Um, it's such a critical role in families, not to take anything away from a mother, but it is an important role in families. And it's a great day for all of us to focus on the good things that our fathers have done for us and focus on. You know, no matter where you are in your family cycles, still trying to be a good a good father for your family.
1: Yeah, we just want to remind people out there, one of the episodes where we did interview our father, if you could go and listen to it again, because he asks us every week how are the numbers <laughs> on that episode. And if the number's not high enough, you know, we got to go listen to it ourselves a hundred times. Just tell him, Pop, you're in the top three of all time now. Yeah, we have he to needs see, that. We just need to tell him that. So anyway, we are going to... Transition now to what we want to focus on this week. Uh, We're very excited about the fact that we have Jason Lezak as a guest on our show. As you remember, we talked to Joan Ryan about her book, Intangibles, and it talks specifically about um, Jason Lezak, and he outperforms on the relay versus his individual race when the time comes, and we're very excited that uh, we reached out. He said yes. Before we talk to Jason, we're just going to play a clip that actually is the race itself, the 2008 Beijing Olympics. For context, it is the men's 4x100 freestyle relay. And what did Phelps, where was Phelps in this Olympics, Greg? He was going for.
0: He's trying to catch Spitz, right? Trying or to beat him, him. beat yeah, Spitz. Beat him.
1: So Spitz had how many gold medals? Seven. Seven? Seven, yeah. 72, I think it was. Yep. He had seven gold medals, and Lise, not Lisek, but Phelps is trying to catch him, and he has to win this relay to, to uh, ensure that he gets. And we were not the favorites. No. We were picked to lose. No, absolutely. France was picked to win. Yep. And they mentioned that in the beginning of this, and um, so f- we'll <laughs> – we can't – I mean, you know, we can't talk anymore about it because it's, it's just we'll play it for you, listen to it. Enjoy. It's awesome.
0: Enjoy.
2: They've got the A team out there, led by Michael Phelps, who is going for gold medal number two at these games. The Americans have to win golden here if Phelps is to keep his hopes alive of surpassing Mark Spitz in the greatest Olympics ever. And Spitz won that seven gold medals. And there is the French team there. They are the favorites, and they have been doing some talking. Elaine Bernard, their world record holder in the 100 free earlier told a newspaper, well, but what about the Americans? We're gonna smash them. That's what we came here for. That article has been looked at by the Americans for extra inspiration, Rowdy, but it's gonna take a lot realistically for the United States to outtouch France. Phelps going first. What is it gonna take down the stretch of this race for the Americans to have a chance in the end with France? Uh. The problem is Bousquet for France was 46-6 in the prelim. And then you've got Bernard, the former world record holder now. They've got to get out there way ahead. You know, I think the winning relay, first of all, it's going to take a world record to win. They could break the world record by three or four seconds. That's how good all these teams are. Into the pool for the United States goes Garrett weber in his first Olympic swim. Look at the world record line! Way ahead of it is a number of swimmers. U.S. has the slight lead in the third leg of this four-man event. You've got Colin Jones, who swam on the prelim relay and earned his spot in this final, but France has taken the lead up there in lane five over the United States. Colin Jones, probably the slowest leg of the four. He earned that spot to be on the relay in the prelims. Elaine Bernard awaits as the anchor guy, and Jason Lezak is going to have to make up some ground on Elaine Bernard, who stands six feet five and can absolutely fly. I just don't think they can do it, Dan. I mean, Jason Lezak has been there how many times in his career has he anchored this free relay and medley relay, but I, I just don't think he can do it. He's trying to ride that wave as much as possible. Bernard is pulling away from him. The United States trying to hang out a second. They should get the silver medal. Go, 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 go. But Lizak is closing a little bit. <laughs> Can the veteran chase him down and pull off a shocker here?
1: So we're on It's Never Just a Game, and every week we say we're incredibly excited to talk to whoever it is we're talking to, and I don't even know how to say how excited we are here now today to talk with Jason Lezak, one of the greatest Olympic swimmers of all time for the USA. We just want to say thanks for coming and welcome to the show.
3: All right. Thanks for having me on.
1: So, uh, Jason... Just want to go back to the beginning, so I know that it. uh, I've read some stuff on you. It says that you played a lot of sports growing up, and eventually got to swimming. What were you playing as a kid, and how did it become swimming the number one thing?
3: So I did basketball, baseball, and soccer. Played football at school a little bit, and uh, did water polo once I got a little bit older. But you know, swimming was always one of the the top sports out of all those for me. Um, I excelled the most at a young age, and struggle throughout the years when I was about 11 to 14. But I still had the passion for it. And then once I was able to, you know, reinvent that passion and turn it into something, it's when I started improving. in. but, you know, I, I really love probably basketball was my biggest passion. And I, I wanted to go somewhere in basketball. Okay. But unfortunately, um, I wasn't at that same level. And then I had to make that decision when I was in high school, if I was going to keep doing basketball or try to earn a scholarship in swimming. So I, I made the choice. Swimming was Probably the better option
1: for me yeah, and we're and we're glad by the way that you did that you picked <laughs> that you picked swimming. Um, you know, we grew up swimming as well. We did a podcast with our dad who was the uh, high school swimming captain in New York in New York in the Bronx, and swimming changed his life, and we all grew up swimming we, we We weren't bad. none of us were distance swimmers, however, so we're kind of sprinters, got in, got out as fast as we possibly possibly could. So you should know that whenever the Olympics are on with our dad. Swimming was something he would sit down and watch with us. So watching you guys swim, it's always great to watch the USA team in the Olympics. So we'll talk more about that. You should know if you don't already that Jason Lezak is the only male Olympic swimmer ever to win four medals in one single event. That's the four by 100 relay. Great stories about that. We'd want to talk some more as we go, but tell us what it was like for you to make your first Olympic team. What was that feeling like? And and when you went there to swim your first events, what was going through your mind?
3: Yeah, I mean it was a dream since I was a kid, so uh, it was pretty special to be out there with Team USA. Not only with that group of swimmers, but obviously knowing that everybody back home was watching. Like you said, you watched it, and I grew up watching it. And um, I was in an event where Team USA had dominated. We actually never lost the four by hundred freestyle relay in Olympic history until two thousand. So my first yeah. Olympic <laughs> experience was not getting a silver medal I'd say but we losing for team right. USA so that was really hard as as much as it was great to be there I had that sense of we just lost we blew it for team USA
1: yeah it was uh, since what 64 Tokyo the US team had won so
3: yeah know, it was seven straight Olympics uh they never lost the... yeah
1: yeah so silver medal is great by the way uh yeah
3: silver medal is great but at the time I didn't look at it as a silver medal it was it was hard to understand uh, and, and say, wow, we just won a silver medal, but the fact that we were supposed to win, we had the history of always winning, and we lost. Right.
1: So then you're going to go to to um, Athens next, right?
3: And in, Yeah, 2004.
1: And is this where you get your first gold medal?
3: So this is uh, – I actually won a gold medal in 2000 swimming on a preliminaries of a relay, okay. so I, I was the one that helped the team qualify. But Athens was the first time that I actually got a chance to – stand on that podium, get that medal around my neck. And, um, 20 years after having the dream in Los Angeles, when I watched it, now I get to be out there right. and experience it.
1: That's fantastic. So that was in, that was in the medley relay. Am I correct on that? Yeah, yeah. that's right. Nice. So, and, and then you still swam the four by 100 and it was not what you hoped for on that one either.
3: No, this time we wound up getting the bronze medal. So, um, unfortunate experience um i learned my lesson from four years earlier although i was a little disappointed um i know we we did our best on that given day and it wasn't meant to be so i tried to hold my head up and right. be proud to represent team usa even though we were going for the gold right and um it was hard to swallow yes
1: yeah, still again bronze medal fantastic thing and people are wondering right now why we have this guy jason lezak on we can't win a gold medal what's happening <laughs> yeah right if, and, and if, by the way this what happens next uh I, I want to, when the time comes, ask you about what it's like when you see it. But, but for us, for those of us who are absolutely enamored with everything that was happening and the story behind what's going to happen in, in the, um, in the uh, games where we know Phelps is trying to get eight gold medals, and he needs one, one team to help him get that last gold medal, and that's you guys in the 4 by 100 So tell us when you're going. France is, France is um, favored to win. And you have to know, a couple of weeks ago when we spoke to Joan, she said, you know, you guys went into that race to race against some French guy who was the world record holder. Do you remember his name? And I said, like, no, because he's from France. But <laughs> we know it's Alain Bernard, who was a beast at the time. And do you guys... Yeah, you- yeah, go ahead, Jason. Big sorry. guy.
3: Yeah. No, no, big big guy, world record holder individual. Um, you know, I wasn't really looking at him like he was superior to me. Um, I had set the American record at the Olympic trials when he set the world record. We were hundreds of a second apart. So right. for me, it wasn't about, um, you know, he's, uh, he, he's Goliath. Is that how it is? And, yeah. I, and I'm David, right? So yeah. it was about, you know, we were pretty equal, but I wanted to be able to jump in that water ahead of him and hold him off and win the gold medal. And knowing that we were not supposed to win this time, I actually, you know, didn't want to think about the fact that I might be behind going into this relay.
1: Yeah. So the relay, the setup on the relay, um, you, you, you guys were, you actually, I think by the end of the second leg, you were, you're leading slightly.
3: Yeah. Garrett took over the lead. um, And uh, then unfortunately the, the French guy on the third leg, he had swam the fastest relay leg in history on this, in the preliminaries, and then he duplicated that in the finals. So he took over the lead for France, and I'm standing on the blocks, you know, two uh, thirds of a second behind the fastest man to ever swim this race.
1: Yeah. And by the way, do you remember the split the guy swam?
3: The- so Fred Busquet swam a 46.6 um, on the yeah. third leg.
1: That's not a 46.06, if I'm right on that, because no, that's, it's that's a, what Jason little, swam. Six tenths off, yeah, but it's it still a- good. <laughs> Not not the greatest split ever in the history of the four by one hundred, which you own, which is tremendous.
3: For forty six point zero seconds, it was the yes, greatest. Yeah,
1: yeah, <laughs> absolutely the best. So sorry, we're spinning you around here. Um, so All right. you are you. The team falls a little bit behind. You jump in that pool a little bit behind Bernard, and then when you were in the race, did you think you could catch him?
3: I mean, there was a lot of thoughts going through my head during that race, and uh, un- initially no um you know i i thought about my relay start and i thought that i left early and disqualified team usa and once i started talking over those thoughts i got positive and went the first 50 he actually was on my left i breathed to my right so never right. once did i look at where he was yeah and then on that second on that turn i pushed off and saw he increased his lead so at that moment i'm thinking there's absolutely no way I'm going to catch this guy. He's the world record holder. But then again, I'm talking over with positive thoughts and, and took that out of my head and, and it focused on how I felt and focused on how I swam or trained to swim this race and not where he was and what he was doing.
0: I don't know how many times I've want. I've watched that. And it's a lot, it's a lot of times. (laughs) And I've watched the times when just I'm embarrassed to say this for me, but I'm actually talking to you. So I'm going to go for it. And I remember times being at work thinking, so they're just really rough times thinking that we're not going to get a massive deal done that we're not good enough we're not going to do that i just go home and turn it on i just watch your leg and i think I- anything's possible and to me that was uh that was an incredible experience to watch i know that a lot of americans like me have sort of a vicarious experience uh watching that listening to rowdy Gaines say i don't think he can do it i don't think he can do it and then and then, then you did it. it was just absolutely amazing
3: I mean, part of it had to do with uh, the belief in myself, right? Because there was plenty of times in my career where people didn't believe in me, but I continued to keep believing in myself. Um, You know, I started training myself just two years earlier than that, and everybody thought I was crazy and wouldn't be able to do that. And so I learned that it doesn't matter what people are saying. I was confident in myself. I never gave up hope on that relay. Um, I never gave up hope leading up to qualifying, even to be there for that relay. So um, for me, it wasn't about who he was, what he was doing. It was about focusing on me knowing that I'm going to do the best I can and I'm not going to just give it away. I'm I'm going to dig in there and deep.
1: So just for our listeners to understand uh, the context a little more deeply, this, this is um, the first gold medal you're going to win in this event. And we're racing against the, I say, we, like I was in the pool there, Jason racing against (laughs) the French who are supposed to win this thing. And at the time, at the time you were the oldest swimmer on the team. How old were you again?
3: I was 32 at that Olympics. So 32,
1: which is not, not that common for people to be swimming when they're 32. And you're the captain- Yeah, back,
3: back then, everybody had retired. My first Olympics was the first time there was really, we wanted a lot, a lot of postgrads who had finished college already on the team. I was 24, and there was quite a few people around my age, a couple people older than me. So um, then as I kept swimming, those people retired. And uh, <laughs> it, it wasn't common to keep going yeah. until your 30s. Now it's more common. Yeah. So. I think, um, you know, I was one of the the first on the men's side to keep doing it.
1: Which is great. So, so going into that pool and you're the captain of the relay team, correct?
3: Yeah. yeah. So I was the captain of the whole team. Um, you know, they voted me captain. You know, I thought it was cause I was the old guy, um, <laughs> but i learned through the course of my career that, um, whether it was my type of personality or not, that I had to be a leader and I had to figure out my way to lead. Um, it wasn't the raw, rah cheer type, uh, you know, yelling at people type right. of type of leader, but I did it in, in a more calm way. And actually to, before this race, I got behind with these guys and I told them, I said, Hey, this isn't a four by 100 freestyle relay. This is a 400. Let's go out there and swim. This as one. And, you know, to me that, that worked, I could see the look in all these guys' eyes. They were fired up. They were ready to go. And, and I'd learned through swimming on that medley relay and winning on that medley right. relay. Every time we swam that, that you needed it more than just four guys going out and swimming. It was about four guys coming together and wanting it for themselves and for their country. And, um, we really lacked that on the freestyle relay. It was pretty much just four guys stepping up to the block each time, uh, all of us just wanting to win, but that wasn't enough. Right.
0: Yeah. I think, um, yeah, again, you're, you're in the water, you're not seeing it, but, but um, the, 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 pictures of the, of your other uh, teammates, you know, looking at you and then you can almost see their faces like realizing this is actually might become possible right it took a while <laughs> for even them to i think the way that you could look at their faces for even them to believe and then then all of a sudden when mr phelps had a few call for words to try to um push you along and, and then all of a sudden you know you you actually did it was amazing to watch them get as excited i'm curious about this though when you hit the wall i mean how did you how did you find out that that that, that you won
3: so basically I, I did the wrong thing and I took my time to look back and look at the scoreboard. If you saw the reaction, uh, they were going crazy immediately. I should have just looked right up at, at what they were doing, but I took the time I looked back. So it took me, you know, a couple of seconds to turn around and actually see number one next to team USA. And then I got out and climbed out there with my teammates, hugged them and we celebrated together. It was spectacular. Yeah.
1: I I've sent that clip to a hundred people this week. I did too. Yeah. <laughs> every I, I mean, I got people and, they, and most of them write back Jason things like text back. Like I got chills head to toe on this thing. I mean, it's never going to go away. It's it, it, for us. It's one of the greatest finishes of all time. If not the greatest finish of all time where you came from behind, you won that for the U S it's your first gold in that event. And then you go get another gold. You go to London and you get another gold in that event. How was that? afterwards was it anticlimactic or just as great and, and now and now you're like 70 swimming in the in well, london. <laughs> actually
3: yeah. so my last gold actually came on the medley relay from 2008 which was michael phelps eighth gold medal at that olympic games yeah so you know that was a perfect time everybody told me to retire they said i yeah. should have just yeah. retired right then 32 and now you say I'm, I'm the grandpa at 36 in london and um Actually, we wound up getting the silver medal. France got their redemption on us this yeah. time. So um, for me, it wasn't really about the medal, though. It was about my experience and, and my journey just to get there and how hard I had to work, how much I had to overcome and sacrifice to make those Olympic Games and be voted team captain once again. I could be out there as a leader and, and from uh, more of a viewing side this right. time. I only had to swim that one race. So that was special for me. I got right. a, I got, I got a chance to really look at the Olympics in a different way, but... Um, You know, of course, I would have wanted to win that gold medal again, but, uh, you know, it doesn't always happen the way you want it. And I learned that through the course of my history. And I knew that we did our best job that we could as a team. And France was stronger on that relay, just like we were stronger four years earlier. So, um, you know, it takes it takes the perfect swim nowadays. The competition's so stiff that one person can't have a bad swim and and have a relay that wins. It's going to take all four, not just to swim their best, but to go up and beyond their best.
0: So um I don't we we have um previously had on this podcast a woman named Joan Ryan and she wrote a book called Intangibles and uh, it talks about the, the the chemistry or the science and soul of uh of team chemistry and she actually mentions you uh in the book and 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 what happened there in in 2008 and she uses it as an example of um how sometimes we we can do we do even better for a team than we can do even for ourselves because of what it means to be on that team. And you as the leader of the team and she intimates in this book that it's an example, I mean, that, that I, I believe I, I be careful, Jason, but I believe that may up to that time was the fastest you would ever swum. Is that, is that fair to say it for, for that particular race?
3: Yeah, that's correct. I mean, that, that was the fastest relay split of all time and still is 12 years later, but yeah. um you know, I've always been, if you want to call it a relay swimmer. I've, I've, as I talked earlier, I love team sports. And when I played basketball, I was the point guard and I wanted to be like Magic Johnson. And if you guys know anything about him, I'm sure you do. But yep. anybody listening, he was the guy that helped the team win. He wasn't always the one who scored the most points. So when I get on a relay and I swam, there was something about this wasn't about me anymore. This was about my team and doing the best I can. And, um, you know, typically a relay start's going to help you maybe six tenths uh, of a second, seven tenths of a second sometimes. And I would say my average relay swim is always, um, you know, nine tenths faster than my individual race. So I, I didn't just use that relay start as benefit I used inside and what was, you know, charging me to swim faster as well with that, with that being a part of that team. So, um, obviously in the Olympics that 46.06 was a second and a half faster than my best time. So that was even, you know, even greater, but, um, there was also four year or two Olympics losing that race when we were supposed to win. And that devastation of growing up watching that, that race. So there was more, it was about team, but it was also about history. So that race had a lot of extra in it for me.
1: Yeah. I don't, I don't know why that is Jason, but the four by 100 men's relays, like the one you, everyone wants, it's like the four by 100 on track as well. Everybody wants that one. That's the one that I guess the sprinters would tell you that the, the, um, what is it? The four by 10 thing would be faster on the track, but this one is the one you want to win. So a tremendous career. You do what no one's ever done before with that 4606. I don't know if anyone will ever break that. And now you're, now you're helping other people swimming in the future. What are the lessons you're teaching them? What, how do you keep them in the right perspective going forward? As it as their goals and their dreams might be the same as the ones you had as a kid?
3: Yeah. I mean, I have a huge history swimming for 31 years. And, you know, basically what I'm going to tell you and I tell everybody else is I didn't always achieve everything I set out for. And there was, you know, plenty of times in my career I could have given up in the in the second and I could have given up in the long term. And uh, I always made that choice of that's not who I am. And I wasn't going to give up. And instead of giving up, I was going to learn and I was going to adjust and, and, and change things. And that's what I continue to do. And I, I, I was really, I would say, a student of the game. And if you look at other sports, that's very common, but in swimming, especially in my early days, video analysis just came out yeah. around my first Olympics it, and not everybody was doing it. It wasn't a big thing. And I think now people are learning. That's important. They're learning nutrition is important. They're learning weightlifting is important. They're, they're actually reading articles on what other people are doing. And, and I was doing that a long time ago and I was always willing to, you know, see what was going on and learn and make changes where, um, you know, I'd say the majority of people weren't in that same position back then.
0: So um, maybe you could tell our, our listeners a little bit more about what you what you are doing today.
3: So currently, I'm the general manager of the Cali Condors, which is a team in the International Swim League. And we just started last season, was our first season. We had eight teams. This year, we're expanding to 10 teams. So it's a great opportunity for these uh, athletes, not just to have dreams of going to Olympics, but now they can say on a professional swim team and uh, do this as a career and if you know you want to think of it as an american sport like i love basketball so you compare it to the nba you know these guys are on a team they're going to go compete against other teams and then go for the championship and just like they do in other sports so it's a great opportunity. Um, you know, swimming isn't a, isn't a big payday. And a lot of these guys, I was fortunate enough to swim till 36 years old, but a lot of people, the reason why they had to retire was they couldn't make a living out of it. Um, they had maybe a small sponsor, maybe a little bit of money from USA swimming, but that wasn't enough to keep going. So that's still there, but now you can add on to this as getting paid by a professional team, winning prize money at these events. And, um, you know, I think the swimmers last year, the ones who participated, which was the majority of the best swimmers in the world, they loved it and they love the concept. And it's just at the beginning stages, it's just growing. And I just think, you know, the more recognition it gets because people do love the sport of swimming. uh, They're just used to only watching it at the Olympics. So once they can start seeing it and seeing how exciting it can be, we're taking on a different format. I mean, this is a team sport. Now we're watching it cheering for the Cali condors versus cheering for, you know, an individual and um, you know, we make it a show. It's uh, for the average person who might think swimming could be boring. It's not a race and then sit around for 15 minutes waiting for the next race. It's race after race. It's lights. It's it's a camera. It's dark. It's it's flashing. It's uh, music, live DJ, like everything's there to make it exciting, whether you're there in person or watching it on TV. So uh, it's just a matter of time before this takes off to the average fan. And um, it'll make a big difference on how these athletes can you know, be considered professionals.
0: Wow, I did not know that. No. That's really exciting. We're looking for that by the way.
1: So given what's yeah. happening with COVID, what, what are the plans next? And what, what if you had to do the Olympics with no fans?
3: So basically the plans for an international swim league, uh, we call it ISL is we are not going to tell you where, but we have made a, the dates October 19th to November 21st. We're going to be hosting a, what we're going to call a training camp competition where we're going to go somewhere to a location that's going to, be safe somewhere and um, back and forth pool hotel and be able to compete and train and uh, put on a show for people and give these guys an opportunity to actually do something fun and special and give the fans something to cheer about. And depending on the location, maybe there will be some fans, maybe no fans. We don't know yet, but that's really not important as far as the the fans. It's about a general broad range of get getting this on TV so everybody in the world can see it, not just those several people that are at that location. So I think, uh, you know, we're doing a good job right now preparing for it, but we are really, really trying to make sure that these athletes are going to be safe because that's really important to us. We yeah. don't want to put them at a high risk potential. Like um, I know all the other sports that are continuing right now or trying to continue. They're going through some things right now. Um, I just read somewhere, you know, maybe the, the football doesn't happen in the fall because of uh, situations going on. So you know it, it, it's it's ever changing, and yeah. we don't know. But we're just doing our best to to do to do what we think's right.
1: So you think the or not you think, but there will be some TV coverage for this event.
3: Yeah. So last year we had a TV deal in the United States. Uh, we had a, a better deal in Europe. We had Eurosport, which was a, yeah. it's a great channel. Yeah. Um, you know, we had ESPN three here. Um, so. You, have, you really, I think, had to know it was on to watch it where we would we would love to have something where someone could just flip the channel and see it on TV and be like, oh, what is this? Let's check it out. Yeah. So we're hoping to get something uh, where that could happen this year. Um, we still have a few months to figure that out. But, um, you know, there's definitely TV coverage all over the world, which is great because it is an international yeah. uh, event.
1: We'll be watching. We'll find that one for sure. Yeah, I would love that. Yeah. All right. Yeah. So, Jason, we, we, we really, again, want to thank you. We're um, here on It's Never Just a Game with Jason Lizak, one of the greatest swimmers in U.S. history. We appreciate you taking the time to spend some time with us to talk about what it is um, you're doing today. And, and we just really watch that clip over and over again. I hope we're not embarrassing you. We're embarrassing ourselves right yeah. now. We don't care. <laughs> uh, you know, this is part of the reason we do this, Jason, is to talk about in It's Never Just a Game. We believe that in life... And sports and business, these things are normally bigger than. There are events and moments and things that happen. It feels like it's never just a game. Even if, if it's an event that you're, ha- you're doing when you're in seventh grade, sometimes it means more. And that event, at least for those of us who love it, can get inspired by watching you do what no one thought could be done at that time. And setting a record the way you did it and, and being the captain of the team, the oldest guy. It's just so much in that, that that is really
0: why it's never just a game yeah it's a and it's a powerful example for people like me and others of uh, of belief, you know and and seeing you can't win all the time. Everybody understands that. but you but you can believe in yourself and you can give everything you've got. and then every once in a while for for people like you, not for us, but for people like you, you can shock the world and and that's what you did that day and something that we'll never forget. and as a as a grateful American, just want to say thank you for an amazing memory.
3: Well, I appreciate it guys. Thanks for having me on. And, uh, you guys are, you guys are great and look forward to giving you guys some highlights that even though it won't be me, (laughs) all all the other best swimmers in the world doing their thing uh, this year and then next year in Tokyo.
1: Thanks. Thanks, Jason.
0: Hope you enjoyed that uh, interview with Jason Lezak. It was a pleasure to speak with him. I've uh, always been a huge fan. Have to admit that that particular race is one of the favorite things that I could ever listen to or watch. And having a chance to talk to him about it and was was a great experience.
1: Yeah, um, I was talking about Nello was going to go to Tokyo for the Olympics with with his wife, and um, they went through all of the um, drawings to figure out how you get. Uh, raffle, lottery, whatever it is, to get tickets, and they got the 4 by 100 Did they really? They did. Oh, man. And then it's not there. So interesting thing, as we listen to Lizak, remember, he's going to race uh, Alain, Bernard, Alain, Alain, Bernard, whatever it is. I'm trying to sound like I'm French. Pour le nord de France. La grande France. And, and he, <laughs> he um, isn't afraid of him. No. Not afraid of him. So we we don't have we will have this for you over the 4th of July weekend. We have Jack O'Callaghan, part of the 1980 Miracle on Ice team. And a very interesting parallel in the conversation with these two great Olympians, uh, two great players. We, when we asked Jack who's the best player on the team, he just won't say anybody is. No. Right? Nope. We, we told him, you can't say it's you. He won't say it. And when we asked Lezak what he thought, he said, I wasn't afraid of him. He's not Goliath. I'm um, David. I I swam this. I did that. I can, you know, and just this and is the kind been of been around to, for a long yeah, time. Got to
0: have this mentality, I think. Yeah. To, to compete at that level. If you're afraid, don't even get in the water then. It was, it's interesting to talk to those guys and to hear that firsthand from them and to feel it. To see that these guys, it doesn't mean that they're arrogant people. It just means that they believe and that they're really serious competitors and they're not going to go into anything thinking that they can't win.
1: Yeah, and the parallel, a quick one, we were doing a board prep way back when to go in and talk to the board about our business results. And at one point, one of the guys running a business unit during the practice and prep for the board meeting said, so we launched XYZ never really thought it would take off like that. And the CEO stopped him and said, why would you do it then? Why, why, why would you launch something you didn't think was going to be successful? Why would you tell the board you didn't think it's gonna be successful? I mean, just saying if you don't think you can win, right, don't get in the water at all. And Lee, Clearly felt like he could win. Now, keeping in mind, the third leg guy for France, I forget his name now, who swam at Auburn, he he swam a 46-6, six. Mm-hmm. which was the fastest split of all time until Lizak gets in that water and swims the forty six oh six,
0: Which is still, 12 years later, still the fastest time ever. Yeah. And I think it goes back, to, I really do, and he said it even in the interview, to what Joan talked about, and that was... Sometimes, you know, the just us notion and competing for your team as well as for, as for yourself and for, in this instance for your country. Uh, and he just did something absolutely miraculous.
1: Yeah, so you do that. You swim that forty six oh six. You beat the team you're not supposed to beat. In a way that you do,
0: it's even bigger with Phelps
1: getting his eighth gold medal to make sure he gets that. And, and then what? I mean, you think about this. What, what happens next in your life that could match that?
0: I don't know, honestly. Like I said, it's like, People who've been to the moon, right? What do you do after that?
1: Yeah. So you look at a guy like a Ruzioni, he wins the gold medal and then he does what? He doesn't play hockey. No. He doesn't try to play hockey at all. He's done. He was a bit older than everybody else. I mean Jack O'Callahan played for a while. He was a bit older too, but not as old as Ruzioni. So what do you do? And then maybe it's just us, Greg. Maybe we think it's so significant and important that it's nothing could ever match that.
0: Right? But, But but Ruzzioni went on and had his wonderful life. Uh, Tremendous. He, I mean, very, very successful a great family. So maybe that's where he found it. Yeah, and we and you have this
1: is why we talk about life, business, and sports, because these things run together and maybe it's not that big, but it is it has to be in some way. It transcends time because here we are. It's two thousand and twenty. Yeah. It's twelve years later. And what are we like, Greg? Right? We're like two idiots, so excited that we can get Lizak oh, on the phone. Absolutely. I mean, you watch this thing. This is part of the reason we're doing this. I just didn't think we'd be talking to people
0: no. like the people we're talking to. I mean, it's just, it's it's so much fun. It is so much fun. And, I, and when it comes to that relay, I can't watch that thing without losing my mind. Yeah. Every single time. I remember exactly where I was when it happened. I remember seeing him coming back. I remember hearing, you know... And Rowdy Gaines and Dan Hicks, those guys, it's, they're great and they're big supporters of, of U.S. swimming. But, you know, early on in that in that thing, they said, you know, I, I don't think he can do it, right? And then Dan Hicks says something along the way of, uh, towards the very end, saying, hopefully the U.S. can hold on for a second. Yeah. Hopefully he can hold on for a second. And then watching him at that, and I, I remember watching that thinking, did he, did he, really, did he just out-touch him? And then... You know, then you see that he did. Watching Phelps and the others, since you heard some of the bleeps along the way, getting a little excited because they realized during that last lap that he, he was closing. Yeah. Right? There was a chance. Yeah.
1: Yeah. You, you, you can tell that they could see that from a swimmer's perspective. Yep. When we're watching, sometimes you don't have the best angle. You don't really know. But somewhere in that last half of a
0: lap, Phelps knew he could catch him. The other thing I have to say when I watch that and when I listen to it, it's the first time I ever just listened to it without seeing it, which was awesome, really cool experience. But when, when you watch it as well, when they, when they finish that, right. And he keeps saying, that's what I'm talking about, baby. And saying, right. Let's go, baby. And he kept saying, but when they, when they get together, you finally, Lizak finally gets out of the pool and there's a, there's a picture there, especially in light of everything that's going on in our country right now. And some of the legitimate challenges that we, we really have and things that we have to improve but there's a lot of greatness here as well and when you watch that group when the four of them hug each other right there you realize right. they're from different region, regions races religions they 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 are just from different parts of the world ethnicities and 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 they're hugging each other with USA on and and it's, it's just i think it's something for us to pause and at least look at and yeah. realize what we can do together yeah
1: and it was it was great to talk to him um, I, I know that he's been asked those questions a million, a million times, so it was nice of him to indulge us and talk about that. But we're looking for these types of moments where we can talk about them, where they appear again to be never just a game. And what that meant is Greg talked about how they came together as a team, and you swim to make that team. I mean, you, there are prelims stuff that you do, and, and and in the end, you qualify for this thing the best you can possibly be for that team and for your country at that time, which was tremendous. So once again, big reason why we do this is to be part of these stories. We want to bring them out, remind ourselves of it, find them and go talk about them where business and life and sports are never just a game. And having the chance to talk to Jason Lezak reminded us of why we're doing this thing. So happy Father's Day to you, Greg. Yeah. Happy Father's Day to you. To everybody else out there listening, at least here in the USA, it's happy Father's Day on Sunday, which is tomorrow. This will pop out on Monday. Remember, this is It's Never Just a Game. We're on all of the platforms you can find us on. Please take some time and go listen to that. We're a little nervous now that baseball won't happen. Yeah. It's making me very nervous. Me I, I want to just come on the show and say, play ball, but it's not happening. So let's uh, think some good thoughts for Father's Day and for, and for MLB so we can get that thing in. This is It's Never Just a Game. I'm NJ Pesci. And I'm Greg Pesci.
0: We'll see you next Monday.